Doing, doing great. Glad, glad to hear it. Um, <clears throat> hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and, uh, and then we'll jump into our, our lesson for this morning. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for the morning you've given us. We thank you for the mercy that you continually show us uh, day by day. Uh, the fact that we have breath in our lungs is, uh, is your mercy. And we pray uh, this morning that as we hear uh, from your word, that you would instruct us, that you would encourage us, you would help us recognize uh, just how dependent we are upon you. Um, and that we would give praise and we would give thanks to you for your work in Christ um, yeah, on our behalf. We thank you for your spirit who, uh, who unites us with Christ, who, uh, <clears throat> yeah, who applies uh, his work to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to grow in our understanding that we might love you more because of it, that we might love and honor one another more because of it, and that you would grow us up in faith and grow us up in the likeness of Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Uh, well, guys, uh, this morning, if I haven't met you, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm one of the, the associate pastors here. Um, feel, you guys, come on in. Um, but this morning, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of regeneration. And uh, John and I were, uh, were actually talking this past week about an old, an old seminary professor that, um, yeah, that I had at, at uh, Dallas Seminary, and uh, I did not have him for this class, but one of the classes this, this professor taught was the class of preaching, and uh, so one of the things that you would do in a preaching class is prepare to preach sermons, and so he would have students, um, as they began to prepare their sermons, what he would have them then do was go preach their first sermon in a graveyard at a cemetery among graves. Um, and it's an odd assignment, but there's a, there's a reason, there's a, there's a truth um, that, that he was trying to instill in his students. And that truth is, this is what you're going to do for your life. When you preach, this is what you're going to do. And unless God moves, unless his spirit works through what you say, your words would be powerless, right? Unless God works to bring life among those who are dead, um, nothing will happen. And so it's a, it, it, was a, it was an assignment that was meant to, uh, yeah, to produce humility and to help them recognize how much they depended upon God to work uh, so that their ministry would mean anything. <clears throat> Um, so today, as we consider the doctrine of regeneration, <clears throat> um, just by way of a, I think it's a really good quote, Sinclair Ferguson said, this doctrine is so important, uh, this is what he says, to have clear views here, regeneration, to have clear views here is to pave the way for all the other doctrines of the Christian life. To mistake the way here, conversely, will mean that the whole focus of our understanding is seriously at fault. It's end quote. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is a really important doctrine. And I think as we go, we're going to see why. Um, because we often, we talk about Jesus' work as the means of our salvation. But then, uh, but then we're going to talk about the Spirit's work to then 
uh, unite us with what Jesus has done uh, so that we are, are raised with him. So, uh, by way of a beginning definition, this is on your sheet. Um, this is, we're going to borrow this from Wayne Grudem. I think it's a succinct, helpful, concise uh, definition. He says, Regeneration is a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. Okay? Again, regeneration is a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. Does anybody know how many times the word regeneration shows up in the Bible? One. One time. Um, so we're going to go there. Titus 3. Uh, this, it'll, be, it'll be really helpful. We'll, we'll read this verse. It'll be really helpful for you to be able to look at it. Um, and, and, and I'll make this, uh, yeah, I'll throw this out there now. We will read some different passages in here, and I'll ask, in, I'll ask you guys questions. I would love for you, um, I would love just good imp, input and you guys to interact with, the, with questions and, and with reading. Because um, it'll, yeah, my, my hope is that uh, we're, we're sort of unpacking this and seeing this stuff together. Uh, and it's not just me, me talking um, the whole time. So you guys just be prepared to read. And, and if you're reading, if you're in the back, read for the person in the front. And if you're in the front, read for the person in the back. That'll help us hear um, what's being read. So, that said, Titus 3, verse 5. Would somebody read that? Good. Thanks, Andy. Um, okay, so first of all, he, who is he? It says he saved us. Who is that? God. How do you know? He is. How, so how else do you know? It's in verse 4. Yeah, when God, our Savior, appeared. So all the questions that I'm asking you guys, what do we see? Or, or what does this mean? Let's pull it. Let's, I think this is helpful for us in, in the way that we study the Bible. Just to say, be able to say, oh, I, I know this because it's right here. Because God said it right here. Okay, so, yeah, so he is God our Savior. And what does it say that he did? He saved us. Good. Um, and then to say that he saved us, what does that assume? We need saving. Good. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this particular section of foundations, this is section three, and particularly in section three, we're really looking a lot at, at what is the work of the Holy Spirit, um, yeah, in, in salvation. What is, what is the role and the work uh, of the Spirit? But then, back in section two, we, look, we, we started off section two, so, so we deal a lot with the work of Jesus, the, the Son, um, but, but even before that, we talked about the fall, um, the fall of man, and the effects of the fall. So we spent some time dealing with that. Uh, we're not going to unpack a lot of that today. Uh, we don't need to rehash a lot of that. But, but I, I do at least want us to see this context. The context in which God is coming and working to save us is one in which we need saving. It's a, it's a context um, that... Yet, where the reality is that men are spiritually dead, right? 
Um, Romans 3, 23, uh, yeah, says that, um, yeah, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin, the, the, what we have earned by our sin is death. So spiritual death is the reality um, of mankind, and so this is the reality in which God is going to come and work, and that he's then going to come and save us out of. So having said, uh, his work uh, to say, and just, I, I meant to give you this, by way of a verse, Ephesians 2.1 says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And we're going we're gonna to get back to that particular passage a little later on. Um, so, since we've said we needed saving, why? What is, what is the motivation? Why does it say here in this verse that God saved us? Or, or better yet, first, why does, it say he, why does it say that he did not save us? What is not the reason? Yeah, because we were righteous, because we did righteous things. Um, yeah, nothing that we could do, nothing that we, that there's no way for us to earn uh, any kind of righteousness. There's no way for, for us to earn some kind of salvation. Uh, in fact, before we could do works in righteousness, we have to first be declared righteous. We have to be justified. We have to have God's Spirit enabling us to do what dead people can't do. Um, so, rather, it tells us he saved us. Why? Not by works, but why? His own mercy. Because he's a merciful God. And he is pleased to act in mercy. He's, he's pleased to reveal himself as merciful. Good. Um, so, motivated then by his own mercy, how does the passage then go on and show us or tell us that he has saved us? Good, yeah. By the washing of rebirth, uh, or by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, okay? This term, so we see it here, this is that, that one usage of regeneration in the Bible. The term um, in Greek, palagenesia, uh, it means specifically rebirth. Uh, and, and, and contextually, we, we see that it means spiritual rebirth. All right, so uh, the spiritual rebirth that we see in this verse, the renewal that we see, both of these things are tied to washing. Okay, that word that you see, by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So Paul, what Paul is saying to Titus is, God saved us through the washing, through the cleansing work of His Spirit to give us a second birth, a birth that is from above uh, and, and to renew us. Okay, this is the way that God has worked to save us. So why does regeneration matter? When we see it here in this verse, why does regeneration matter? Yeah. Yeah, the spiritually unwell cannot be made well on their own. It matters because apart from regeneration, there is no salvation, right? Apart from regeneration, there, there's no life, there's only death, okay? So, now, 
you might say, well, I thought that we were saved by the work of Jesus. I thought that was the means of our salvation. To which I would say, yes, that's true. That is the means of our salvation, the work of Jesus. Um, so if we keep reading, Titus 3, if we look at verse 6, so um, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom the Spirit, he, the Father, poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So Father, Son, Spirit, all at work here together in salvation. So, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what we see here is the Spirit poured out on us in regeneration through Christ. Why is it that some are saved and some are not? How is it that Jesus' work actually saves one and not another? How, how is that possible? So, what we're not going to do is we're not going to go into limited and unlimited atonement. Um, there's a great lesson uh, in section, section 2, John, on, on the atonement, Jesus the atonement. I would refer you there. It's a great, it's a great lesson. Uh, I believe Adam McGarry taught that. Um, but we, we at least want to, to say that Jesus' work, so his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection to life, um, all of it, his work, his person, his work, is the means of, our, of, of justification for us, for his people. It's his work. Um, and it's only, it's only his work that is, is that means, right? So there is no other means, there is no other way for us to be justified, to be made right before God, to be given life apart from, um, apart from his work. That said, um, those who... Uh, those who effectively benefit from his work are those that the Spirit applies his work um, yeah, by, un- uniting, uh, by uniting those people with Jesus. Okay? So, so Jesus' work is effective for those that the Spirit unites um, with him. Does that make sense? Yeah? Chris? That's right. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, so, so it, is, it depends, salvation depends solely on his mercy. And the means that he's giving his mercy is, is by sending his spirit to apply the work of Jesus to, uh, to his people, right, to his elect. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, you tracking? <clears throat> Yeah, so, so the Father and the Son is one of the things we'll see in, in the Scriptures. The Father and the Son send the Spirit. That's why we see that language even in Titus 3, 6 of, of the Spirit being poured out on us through Jesus Christ. The Father and the Son send the Spirit um, into our hearts to unite us to the Son. And it's in our union with Jesus uh, that our sin is accounted to, to Christ. Right. So we're united with Him so that our sin is accounted to Him. He goes to the cross. He, he dies the death uh, that we have deserved, that we have again earned with our sin. Um, he dies that death on our behalf, but then his life, his righteousness becomes ours. It's imputed to us. It's accounted to us. 
Um, so 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin. So who was that? Jesus. Jesus knew no sin. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, um, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This, this is what's happening. So in that sense, as Christ is raised, he is the beginning, Colossians 1 says. He is the beginning. He's the firstfruits, um, the firstborn from the dead. And, and it is his resurrection that is the basis for our resurrection. Okay? But it's the Spirit working uh, in this way. So, um, so we see regeneration, the term, used one time in the Bible. But as we sort of talk about this idea... It's actually really clear that this idea is all over the Bible. This idea is everywhere. In the same way that the word Trinity is never used in the Bible, but we see in the Bible Father, Son, and Spirit at work together, three persons, one divine nature, one, um, one God together at work. The concept is all over the Bible, right? God's revealing this all over the Bible. In the same way, regeneration is, is all over the Bible. And we're going we're gonna to sort of talk about different ways that it looks, different, different terms that we see, different language that's used to sort of unpack um, this doctrine. Okay? So, one of the first ones that we're going to go to, so remember we said regeneration, uh, rebirth, spiritual rebirth. What does that make you think of? Born again. Born again, great. So, so anybody know where, where a primary passage that talks about being born again is? Nicodemus, great. So we're going to go, John 3 um, is, is where we're going to turn. John 3, 1 to 8. Somebody read John 3, 1 to 8. So who is Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee. Yep, he's a ruler of the Jews. Uh, if, and, and we didn't read this part, but if you, even if you read a couple of verses down, 9 and 10, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? He's a teacher of Israel. Um, he is the one who uh, is supposed to be teaching the truth about, about God to the nation. Um, so in verse 2, it seems that he's acknowledging what? What is he acknowledging? Yeah, that Jesus is from God. Right? There's, there's something about Jesus, the truth that he speaks, and specifically the things that he does, um, that, yeah, that, that is, makes him think that, right? 
Um, that's why it says no one can do these signs unless God is with him. But, but Jesus is uh, going to answer him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So again, this, this language, born again. Um, without the second birth, seeing and discerning spiritual reality uh, is, is not possible. Right? That's, that's what he's telling him. Um, you cannot see the kingdom of God without being born again, without having second birth. Now, Nicodemus, obviously, at this point, is confused, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how how exactly how how is this possible, right? When a man is is old, how how is it that he can be born a second time? How how is it that he could enter his mother's womb for a second for a second time? How how is that possible? And what are his questions? What do they tell us? He doesn't get it. Yeah, he doesn't get it. What, what, is he, what kind of terms is he thinking on? Natural, earthly, physical terms that, that don't see spiritual reality. That don't see the work of what we're going to see, the work of the Spirit um, that actually is the one who gives this kind of sight, who gives this kind of, um, yeah, this, this kind of discernment, this kind of ability uh, to see things on a completely different plane. All right? So, so Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. All right? In order, um, yeah, so in, in fact, in verse 5, when he says, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yes, we, we, have, we actually have two kinds of births in view here, right? So yes, physical birth is in view. Where, how, where is that referred to? Yeah, that which is born of flesh is flesh, Right? Or, or even, and even when he says, um, what does he, he say first? Um, yeah, that, unless one is born of what? Water and the Spirit, right? So water and the Spirit. So we have here him, him telling Nicodemus, no, there's, there's two births happening here. It's right here for Nicodemus to see, but Nicodemus doesn't, he doesn't see it, right? Um, Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, so he's, he's saying, unless he's born of water and the Spirit, he can't see the kingdom. So for him to see the kingdom, yeah, he has to be a... a, a Micah? So like, to that point, what did you say to someone that you actually Jesus was baptized? Yeah, so I would say that's not what this verse is talking about. Um, and go to a whole lot of other passages <laughs> about baptism. Uh, but... And this one, you know, just born of flesh. Is sure, phrase, so. sure. Yeah. So um, yeah. So, but but in view here, his what he's he's trying to communicate that that apart from the spirit, 
to give life, um, yeah, there's, there is no seeing God's kingdom. I think that's, his, that's the thrust of what he's trying to communicate here. Um, yeah, good, really good questions. So, and, and he's going to give us this illustration. Um, how many of us, and we'll just let's talk about it, how many of us can actually see the wind? Okay, we feel it. We don't, where did it come from? Who knows? Yeah, where, did it, where does it go as soon as it passes by us? We don't know. Yeah, it, it, it moves in the way that it wills. It moves in the way that God wills it to, um, not in the way that it wills, in the way that God wills it to. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it, it, it's the same, though. Um, it's the same in when we talk on spiritual terms. Spiritual, in, in a spiritual sense, is the same kind of reality. So physically, we, yeah, we don't know where it came from. We don't know where it goes. We know it's there because we feel it. We know it's there because we hear as it vibrates off of things, as it blows by our ears, we, we, as it vibrates our ears, we, oh, I hear that sound, that whooshing sound, or across the top of a bottle, or, you know, through the trees, you hear the leaves moving. You hear and see its effects, but you don't actually see the wind itself. In the same way, the Spirit, um, yeah, the, the Spirit, when, when He's at work, whenever He comes and He gives life, He regenerates, you don't see, oh, you know, here comes the Spirit. He's about to regenerate that person. Um, you, you don't see that, but you see the effects of his work. And how do you see the effects of his work? Fruit yeah, fruit in people's lives. Yeah, so, um, yeah, someone now hears God's truth and responds to it, right? Um, believes that that is true. And, and Jesus is even going to go on and do that with Nicodemus and say, yeah, you, you reject the truth even though it's right in front of you because you haven't been born again. Um, but, but yeah, you, we hear the truth and respond to it. Someone now hates sin that once he loved. You know, some, someone now loves mercy and truth that she once despised. Um, someone now gives glory to God and recognizes Him as God rather than seeing Himself as the ruler of His own life. Um, these are all fruits and, and realities that, yeah, that show us, oh, the Spirit's at work in that person. Um, yeah. Andy? Um, that's a good question. So, born again is the idea of being born from above. Um, I, I think, in, in terms of Greek, I don't know, John, I don't know if you have any Greek understanding. Um, yeah, I'm no Greek scholar, that's for sure. But, but that said, even in the Greek of being born again, or, or of being regenerated, you have just the language of rebirth, being born from above. You have this, I mean, it's the same, same idea. Um, of, of birth, you know, there being life where there previously was none. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> uh, so, according to John 3, let's talk about this. Is there some role that we play in regeneration? Right? Whose work is regeneration? Or how is it that a person can be born of the Spirit, 
behold the kingdom of God and see this true spiritually discerned reality that we're talking about, right? What is, what, in order to do that, what does a person have to do? What is the role of faith, right? That's, that's, what, that's what we're going to sort of unpack now. Um, and that's where you see on your outline, it's a work of God, not of man. So according to Jesus, it's, it's the Holy Spirit who makes someone born again, who regenerates them, right? Um, whenever you were born... Is there anyone in this room that decided you were ready to be born the first time? No. If you say yes, then we should have a conversation later. Um, yeah, no. No one decided he was, it was time for him to be born. Um, right? Because, and why not? Yeah, you have no control. You, for, for a non-living being, you don't, you don't make decisions, right? You don't. Um, you don't will something into being. Um, so it's dependent on another to, to form us, right? To, to create us. It's dependent on God. Um, he does it through means, but, but it's his work. And, and in the same way, um, yeah, when we're talking about regeneration, spiritual birth, uh, to be born again, is, it's not a decision that anybody makes. It's not a decision that you make. It's not a decision that I make um, to be born again. Now, that said, um, I I think it's helpful for us to nuance this a little bit because does somebody truly decide then to follow Jesus? Yeah, certainly. Um, But know that, you know, so it's, it's a real decision. Just know that it's not one, it's not a decision that we make apart from the work of the Spirit in regeneration. Um, so I, I think this is a really helpful passage. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. I don't know if somebody was looking ahead and, and has that, but if you have it, read that. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Yeah. So what does, um, what is Paul encouraging the Philippians to do? What does he tell them to do? Work out. Do it. Work it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Live out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Act it out with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to work and to will for his good pleasure, right? So, so where there is fruit, where there is a will that we have to follow Jesus, to work, we should know that, that regeneration has occurred, right? The Spirit is working in us uh, to produce that kind of fruit. Um, so in, in this sense, just from a timing standpoint, we would say regeneration is a work that happens before faith. Um, but, but at the same time, I would say it's, you know, it doesn't happen. Um, it doesn't happen in the sense that there's some kind of real, I think, time that passes between, oh, they're regenerated, but they don't have faith yet. Is there, uh, is there faith apart from regeneration? No. 
Is there regeneration that doesn't also carry with it faith? Karen. Well, that's my question. Like the rich young ruler. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I would explain it this way. Um, I, I would say it was his own free will, and our own free will always leads us to choose sin um, because, because, we are, because we have a sinful nature. Um, our free will, that's where it leads us, that when we choose, we choose sin. And where we choose uh, to to follow Jesus, when we choose to do something that is against our nature, it's because God has worked in us to give us, um, yeah, to free us from slavery to, to that sin, is how I would answer it. I don't know if one of you brothers wants to chime in, but. Did you have a regenerated spirit that you then turned away from, or was he not regenerated? Yeah, yeah, so, so in regeneration, where regeneration is, is present, um, where, where the Spirit has worked. And, we're, this, and again, I think, I think it will help us as we get a little bit farther. But we're going to talk in a little bit about the fact that we've been given a new nature. We've given, we've been, we've been um, yeah, brought from death to life. What our previous nature was like. So hostile to God. Um, dead in our sin. Um, alien. Um, yeah, the descriptions are all over the Bible of what our disposition is like. So in some sense, our regeneration is, is the disposition has, has changed. We have a new disposition. We have a new, um, a new way of thinking. We have a new nature that, that compels us to act in this way, um, to live in this way, to follow Jesus, to honor God, to, to hate our sin. Um, but so for the rich young ruler, for him to walk away, is, is evidence that, yeah, he, he chose, he, he freely chose, and he chose what is in his nature to do. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, really, really good. And one thing that, that, that passage that uh, Jared preached on it uh, kind of made me think of something that I've been really mulling over a lot, and it's that, you know, the rich young ruler, he knew doctrine. He knew the commandments. And um, I think we need to be really careful to understand that doctrine doesn't save us. Knowing the right reformed theology doesn't save us. You know, Christ alone can save us. And so he knew the right things, but the devil knows the right things and hates it. You know? yeah. So unless the Spirit of God gives us what we don't have, you know, unless he, you know, I think uh, Baba Kunde last week mentioned, it's not like we're drowning and kind of grasping. No, it's we're at the bottom of the ocean, bloated, dead. And unless the Spirit of God gives us that new life, even in John 3, 3, he said, unless you are born again, you're unable yeah. to enter the kingdom. You can't do it. Yeah. And I think that's, the, that's what happened with that rich young ruler. He knew things, but he didn't know God. Yeah, no, it's really good, really good. Yeah, so, so what we don't want to do is paint, paint the picture or, or portray this in a way that, well, you know, this, this innocent human being had no opportunity to turn away. Well, actually, you know, Paul says that all men are without excuse, that actually we, we have freely chosen and we freely choose our sin. 
the rich young ruler freely chose that. Um, you know, and I say, yeah, I say freely acknowledging that he's a slave to sin, like he, he's making that decision, but he, he's, he's acting within his nature. Is it, yeah, that's good. So thank, thanks, Alicia. Um, yeah, so all that to say, guys, um, faith, when we are regenerated, we are also given faith, right? So, so we're, when we say, well, regeneration happens before faith, the aim is not to paint some window of time in between. The aim is to, to recognize who's, who's, whose court that ball is in. Um, in some sense. It's to recognize that this is God's work, not man's. There's nothing we contributed to this, to our salvation. There's nothing we contributed to the reality that we now have a new nature. There's nothing we contributed to, to make ourselves be born again. All of it was in the purview of God and at His will and because, simply because, He's merciful. Um, so it's, it's a way that um, by, by sort of holding this, this order rightly, it's a way that we give glory to God and honor God rightly for the work that he's, that he's done. Um, yeah, so, and, and I think this is another helpful passage, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. All of it. By grace, through faith, grace is a gift, faith is a gift, through which we receive that grace, all of it is God's work. Um, it, it says it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay. So none of us has, uh, has any grounds of boasting, and that's, that's one of the main things that we want to take away here, is this is God's work. Give God glory, um, and don't boast in a work that you actually, you actually didn't do. good yeah so so it's not just that he he regenerates us now we have this clean slate now we actually have a new nature and he's conforming us to the image of Jesus there are actually good works that now are are being produced in us and through us but it's because of the spirit's enabling right so we have regeneration we have being born again what are some other um, what's some other languages other concepts that sort of capture this, this reality, this concept. Um, let's tell you what, let's flip the page. And I've got four listed right here for us. Um, yeah, so let's, so new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Somebody read that. Yeah. So, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? So whatever he was is, is gone. It's passed away. He now is something new. Tell me about the first creation. How did the first creation happen? I mean, just think in the Bible about creation. How did that happen? Who spoke? God. God spoke. And what happened? Whatever he said. Right? Yeah, God spoke creation into being. And what, what was there? What did he speak from? Like, what did he use to create? Nothing. He created something out of nothing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's, ama- that's, a, that's a great point. So Genesis 1-2 captures the idea that the Spirit is present. Right? God speaks. The Spirit is there um, to, to carry out what He's spoken. But then you also have Colossians 1 is going to tell us what about Jesus, the Son. All things are created through Him, right? For Him, from Him. All, all things exist and are upheld by the word of His power. Like, so, Father, Son, Spirit. Um, the three persons of the Trinity are all active in creation. And, and the same is true, um, something out of nothing, the same is true in the new creation. In, in this reality of beings who are brought from death to life. Does anybody, can anybody think of a good illustration of this in the Bible, in the Old Testament? The dry bones. Yeah, you have Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones. Um, let's uh, tell you what, let's go there. We won't spend a lot of time here, but let's spend a minute here. Ezekiel 37. So I read... Um, Somebody read 1 through 10. Let's stop there for a second, Wilson. Yeah, so, um, so he's brought to a valley. What's in the valley? Bones, dry bones. Bones, dry bones. I, I also, I mean, verse 2, just the reiteration, behold, they were very dry. <laughs> I, I think that's just an amazing, I mean, if we think about why is that there, the, the reality is these are... Very dead. Like, just to reiterate the, the, the death, like how dead these bones are. There's living cells in the marrow of bones. Yeah. So they, if they're very dry, because you have all the living cells are dead. They're gone. It's, it's just petrifying. 
dead, just nothing but bones, right? Um, and then he asked Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? But I, and I love Ezekiel's response. Lord, you, you know. I don't know. Um, yeah, so, so Lord, you know. Um, but then God's going to tell him, listen, here's what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to prophesy over them. And then here's what I'm going to do. Now, I think this is a great picture of how, um, how regeneration works. Because God's going to go on. Um, Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. I pro- as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said um, to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. He's going to go on to say, this is Israel. Um, God's going to tell him, this is Israel. Um, these, are, these are my people. And just the great illustration this is of how, how is it that God saves us? How is it that, that he saves us? He declares us righteous. Is there something we hear before he declares us righteous? Is there a means that he's purposed to work through for our salvation? Proclamation of the word. Right? The word is proclaimed, but the power is whose? It's God's power. He's working through. He tells Ezekiel, here's what I want you to say. You get to say it, and then watch. Watch what I do. Like, and, and just the amazing reality that these very dead, dry bones are going to come together because, because of God's Spirit, because of God's power working. The bones are going to come together. Sinews are going to come to them. Skin is going to wrap around them. But then what's still missing? Breath. So he's going to say, prophesy to the breath. And the wind is going to come, and it's going to give life where there was no life. I think it just it illustrates for us the way that God works through the preaching of His Word and His Spirit at work through that preaching to come and give life where there was no life. Um, yeah, this is a this is um, yeah this particular instance here is a yeah it's an illustration, um, a foreshadowing of how God's going to save how God's going to save His people. Secondly, um, as a second uh, another description, we've been made alive. So in some sense, we've, we've talked about this some. We, we mentioned it early on in the, in the Titus section just as sort of the backdrop to, um, you know, generation comes where, there, where there's death. Uh, we've seen it in this, even this picture of Ezekiel. And so it's one of the things we notice is that all of these ideas, they just have overlap with each other. Um, but that's, again, that's part of why we say regeneration as a concept is all over the Scripture. It's talked about in different ways and with different nuances, but... But the, the, the truths are the same. There was death. There was an old, uh, uh, there was an old man who, who has been made new. Who There's life that's come um, where there was death. So, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. We're, not, we're actually not going to read all of this. Somebody could read maybe the first five verses.
Again, there's that, by grace you've been saved, right? It's God's work. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, the trespasses and sins that we once walked. Um, that was, it came from our nature. These are the way we lived. Um, and then it says in verse 5, even when we were dead, we were still dead, God made us alive. God's work. Okay? Yeah, so, uh, third, let's go to the idea of him giving us a, a new heart. We're back in Ezekiel here. 36, 25. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this one. Um, uh, 25 to 32. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Let's see. Tell you what, actually, I'm going to scoot up just a little bit. Verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord, God is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. So what has Israel done? Profaned his name, right? It profaned his name. It's not for your sake. Um, he says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. From all the uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Um, yeah, this is the chapter right before that that. Uh, account we just read a minute ago of the Valley of Dry Bones. But, yeah, here we, we see that Israel has profaned God's name. And, and so, what does God promise that He's going to do? Give him a new heart and spirit. Yeah. He's going to vindicate His name, and He's going to give them a new heart and a new spirit. He's going to remove from them what? Heart of stone. A dead hard, lifeless heart, and give them a heart of flesh, soft, beating, life. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to take out what, what led them to do, what led them to live the way they lived before. He's going to put within them um, his spirit who, what does it say, is going to do? What does it say the spirit's going to do? Yeah. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will cause you to obey my rules. So the spirit at work within his people leads them into, um, yeah, is going to lead them, is going to lead us into lives of obedience. Karen? So does that mean regeneration is an ongoing thing? Like, it's 
That's a good question. Yeah, so um, I, would, I would say regeneration is the act of him giving us his spirit and making us alive. But then now that we have his spirit, we have this new heart. We have, yeah, what it, what it doesn't mean, what, what we're not saying here is that now you'll, be, you'll never sin again because we see, we have lots of other scriptures that tell us like Paul, that, hey, we still, we live and, and we still have the flesh. So we're, we're not the old person. We have a new heart. We have new motivations. When we sin, what's that going to be like for us? Well, we'll loathe ourselves for our iniquities. We'll hate our sin. Our, our disposition, our relationship with sin will have changed. Um, yeah, that's how I would explain that. It's a really, yeah, it's a really good question. So, so regeneration is a one time, it's a rebirth. It's being given a new heart. It's being made alive. But now there's the process of the Spirit is in us and at work in us to conform us and sanctify us and increasingly, as we behold Jesus, increasingly change us into his likeness. Yeah. Yeah. That were would have once been alive yeah. and were dead. Is, is that intentional? So I guess my question is, is that like an allusion back to man before the fall? Or um, does that make sense? It does make sense. Um That's a good question. Uh, yeah, so I I mean there's there's a couple ways I think we could answer it. So one is even, you know, the idea of being born again also has the connotation of being born from above. Um, yeah. But, but then I think the same, the other is true, that if we think on a macro level, Adam was created, um, he was created good and without sin, um, and then you have the fall and you have God's work of redemption. So... That's right. Yeah, so we so none of us was born with a clean slate and now we've you know, we, we were all born inherently uh, with with part of our yeah, our we, we've inherited the sin of Adam. Um, yeah. So I know that also brings in other questions. Um, Certainly, yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah. Um, okay. Letter D, new nature, minds that are set on the Spirit. We're not going to read it. It's a great passage. Um, it's about the Spirit who, um, yeah, we're no longer walking by the flesh. We no longer live according to the flesh. The flesh signifying the ways that we walk that were hostile to God. So that, that language is used in Romans 8, 5 to 9. Um, but simply, yeah, our, we want to acknowledge that now we walk by a new nature. We walk according to the Spirit in us who, um, who takes away our hostility to God and who, um, yeah, changes the things that we love and desire. Okay. So, um, yeah, and there, I think there are other ways we could even describe this 
you know, just regeneration. Things like we've been brought out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his beloved son. We've been made, uh, in Ephesians, we've been made a new man. Um, these are all true. That's a, I, I think you get the thrust. A couple of quick applications. I, I know it's time for us to, to roll out, but um, yeah, just, just really quickly. What is, when you hear all of this, what, is it, what does it do? Um, what does it do for you? Like hearing, this is God's work, God saves. What, what should we do in response? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I would have been without hope. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, we, we don't, it takes away our boasting, um, and it, it helps us to be thankful. Just to acknowledge, man, God, this is so kind of you. You showed me mercy. And it wasn't because of something that I did first. It was you simply being kind to me when I was lost and without hope in darkness. Um, yeah, so it should produce thanksgiving in us, gratitude. Micah. Yeah. somebody believing the gospel is not on us, right? Now, it doesn't mean that, oh, we shouldn't care and, you know, we should be nonchalant. No, we should have a real urgency, right? So God called Ezekiel to proclaim the truth, right? God calls um, Ezekiel. There's another great picture in, in the book about a warning that he, that Ezekiel is called to give as a watchman on a tower. He's He's to warn people that judgment is coming with, with urgency. Um, so it doesn't take that away, but it does take away the, the, any kind of gimmicks we might want to try or any kind of pressure we might feel that, oh, I need, to, I need to convert this person. No, it doesn't work that way. It's God's work. Um, yeah, in His kindness, He gives us the joy of being a part of what He's doing. Um, but... Yeah, we're to, we're to proclaim the gospel, and we're to do it knowing that unless God works, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be powerless. So I'm going to close with a quote. These are great, um, yeah, great applications. There's, there's more we can say. But this quote related to evangelism. Uh, Lewis Berry Schaefer, I'm not, um, I'm not endorsing all of his theology, but in his book on evangelism, True Evangelism, it's a great quote. Fundamentally, then, the personal element in true soul-winning work is more a service of pleading for souls than a service of pleading with souls. It is talking with God about men from a clean heart and in the power of the Spirit rather than talking to men about God. Right? 
So evangelism begins with prayer. Yes, we must speak the truth. Yes, we must proclaim the gospel. But ultimately, we do it praying to God for how he might work in, in men and how, um, yeah, and then even after we proclaimed, praying that God would take that seed and do something with it. So, but ultimately, yeah, God, God is the one who regenerates. God saves, and he does it because he's merciful. Um, if you have anything else, we can talk after. Let's, let's quickly, um, yeah, let's, let's be dismissed. Let's pray. Micah, you want to pray for us, brother? Amen. Thanks, y'all.